0: Our passage today comes from Zechariah 9, verse 9, and today we start our mini Advent series, uh, three parts of um, a Christmas series that I want to start with you called The Approachable Messiah. Um, Christmas is a really beautiful time. Uh, for us to remember our Jesus who came to us, and I want to, for three services, tell you about this approachable Messiah that we have um, today, next Sunday, and then we have our joint service well, with Chode on the 25th that I want to invite you into in the other building. Please be early. It fills up like crazy, um, and so please come early for that, but for those three Sundays, and I, guess, I think it's a Friday, um, we're going to be looking at this, the approachable Messiah, and um, You know, this uh, sermon series, uh, already it's been a blessing to me because it reminds me in the Christian calendar that Christmas is a time when we remember that when Jesus came down and came to us in a a humble way, and then Easter is going to be the time where he raises up and he's exalted in front of our eyes. But today, I just want to kick off this Approachable Messiah series with you, and we're just going to look at one verse today. Not only the whole verse, we're just going to look at five words in the verse today, and then next week we'll look at the rest of the verse, but it's Zechariah 9.9, 9, and I'll read this to you. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Sing aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. This is the word of the Lord. I just want to today talk to you about that one line, Behold, your king is coming to you. Um, This has so much meaning for us in this Christmas season, and especially in a time where we feel like our souls are weary from a long period in the pandemic. There's a great line in the song, um, O Holy Night, that says this, A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. That's really my prayer. That for weary souls in our congregation, in whatever you're going through and what you have been through these past couple of years, for weary souls, that Christmas would mean a thrill of hope for you. And we have a thrill of hope in our approachable Messiah, and I want to show you why that is. Today, we're going to just take a look at those five words. See, your king comes to you. We're going to see that that has tremendous meaning for us today. Will you pray again quickly with me? Lord, as we open up your word, we humble ourselves before you. We need this word. I pray that as we begin our Advent mini-series, that you would show us what it means that you came down as the approachable, accessible Jesus for us. And I pray that you would be exactly that for some in our congregation today, especially if someone is here and they don't know you. I pray that they would find out that this Messiah is different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, your king comes to you. I just want to look at that verse um, with you, that part of the verse. The first part of that that I want to show you is the word see or behold. See, your king comes to you. The book of Zechariah is a book of prophecy that's given to the people of God when they came back from the exile. If you were here with us last year, you saw what the book of Daniel showed us, that the people of God were brought into Babylon, and it was a very difficult time really, really difficult time, spiritually oppressive time for them. And it was a time where they languished and hoped one day that they could go home. It was a time when they hoped that one day they could go to Jerusalem and they thought, if we could just go back to Jerusalem, then we could go and we could praise God and we can restore our worship, and our spirits will be renewed, and we would love God again, and we would meet God again, and we would be together in worship again, and we would give our lives to the worship of Yahweh again. They hoped that in Babylon. The book of Zechariah is actually written 20 years after they came home. After they came home from Babylon, when all that they expected Was supposed to happen, but contrary to their belief, 20 years after they came back, that spiritual renewal never came. They came home and their hearts weren't given to God. They thought just if our circumstances changed, just if we were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, of course our hearts would respond with praises to God. But it actually didn't happen. They actually started to be selfish. Instead of giving their lives to the God that they had awaited to worship, They focused on their own homes and they built out their houses and they got wealth and they looked for opportunities and they looked for ways to protect their own family and build paneled houses where the temple of God still had holes in its roof. You see, they thought that if circumstances changed that they would become these worshiping men and women and it actually didn't happen. The singing never came. The praises never came. The worship never came back. And Zechariah calls out to them in this time. My brothers and sisters, it's the end of the year. And I want to ask you, what are those things for you? You thought that if just this changes, then of course my spirit will be renewed. What was that for you this year? Many of you set out this year with goals, and you thought that if you achieved those things, then everything would change in your spirit. And here you are, December 12th, at the end of this year, Did the renewal happen? Is your heart given over to God? Or did the circumstances, didn't, it didn't really give you what you thought it would give you. Circumstances didn't change your spirit. You see, Zechariah calls out to you today, and he says, your hope should not be in these circumstances. Of course it didn't work, because circumstances don't give you spiritual renewal. But the first thing he says is, you have to see You have to behold the Messiah. Behold, your King is coming to you. That's what we need to do this Christmas. We need to see. And uh, the Hebrew word for see or behold here is the word hene. Everyone say hene. hene. Okay? Hene means behold, and this is what it means. You see this a lot of times in the Bible. Okay? Even in that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That first word, hark, you might be wondering, what is a hark? Right? Hark is that word hene, look, behold. And this is what happens whenever you get that word behold. You have us down here trying to make life work with the stuff that we have here on earth. And it's not working. But then every once in a while, the Lord breaks through in divine intervention. And hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. God breaks in and gives us a vision of divine things. And he says, look, look, I'm about to give you resources that you don't have down there. I'm about to break in and open your eyes to divine things because you've only been looking at stuff down here. Behold, behold. And that's what we need to do this Christmas season. There's so much work to be done at Christmas, right? So much to do. There's so much to decorate, there's so much to, to, to shop, and there's so much to do. But what God is calling us in this season is take your eyes off the work of Christmas and lift your eyes to the grace of Christmas. The grace. You need to look up because you're just paying attention to what needs to be happened, what need, you need to do down here, but you need to hene. Can you turn to a neighbor and say, you need to hene. We all need to hene. All that means is we need, to, we need to look up and we need to take time to see the substance of our hope and not just the things that are happening around us. Um, if you've been a Mosaic any period of time, you know that I love the Chronicles of Narnia. And you know that this is the season when it comes up again, the Chronicles of Narnia, and I can't help but to share with you. And let me share with you what the premise is, because um, you're going to need to know this. If you're new to Mosaic, I suggest that you read Narnia. (laughs) It's just going to help you. Um, Every Christmas, you'll hear it again and again. And here's the story. Chronicles of Narnia is about these four children who are orphaned, and they enter into a magical world called Narnia through a wardrobe. In England, they call it a wardrobe, but here we would call it a closet. Through this closet, they enter into Narnia. And there are these four uh, children who, through this Narnian experience, experience hardship, adventure, and all sorts of different things through Narnia. But here's the thing. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the book, is kind of mischievous in the way that he entitles it because the first book of Narnia is called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But you know what? That's actually the reverse order in which you experience those things. The characters, as you read, imagine being a seven-year-old little boy reading this. This book is about a lion. But you start reading this book, and you're wondering, where is the lion? You see the wardrobe, and then you enter into this world, the magical world, and then you see the witch who brings deep anxiety, makes you scared through all the things that she's doing. There's no lion. But C.S. Lewis entitles it in such a way that seven-year-old boys... Seven-year-old girls are waiting for the lion because it's in experiencing the lion that everything changes. This lion is actually the Jesus figure, the Messiah figure in Narnia. His name is Aslan. And it's actually in experiencing Aslan that everything changes. You see, they think that Narnia is the magic, but actually the true magic is in experiencing Aslan himself. It's only when they experience Aslan that things make sense. You see, after the first book, um, they long to go back to Narnia. They have this desire, right? Because their life is so black and white. It's kind of boring and gray. They, they want to go back to Narnia. But then every time they go back into Narnia, there's no solution. There's just more problems. There's scarier things. Everything gets worse and everything gets bigger and more anxiety comes you know, upon their life. They have to meet with Aslan. And it's only meeting with Aslan that things actually change. In the same way, Zechariah is saying the same thing to his people. You're back in Jerusalem. You're back to the place of magic and worship. Has your heart changed? It has not. And it won't change just because you're back in Jerusalem. It will only change when you encounter your Messiah. See your king is coming to you. But you have to look this Christmas. You can't just count on the nostalgia of Christmas to help you. You can't just count on the circumstances changing in 2021 to help you. You need to meet with this king. You need to hene. You need to behold the king. And only in doing that will things change in your life. Because what you are seeing, what you are encountering when you behold is a king. That's the second thing I want to tell you about in this verse. He says, see... Your king comes to you. A king makes all the difference. A king makes changes in your life. You see, sometimes because of our circumstances and in our time, we're so disconnected from the concept of a king. But a king is all important to a nation. A king is the the shoulders on which the nation rises or falls. You see, if the hope is in um, an incoming administrator, maybe your hope is that your finances will be fixed. Or if your, your hope is that a new scribe will come in, maybe education will be fixed. Maybe if there is a, a new general coming in, there's safety coming in. But the thing about a king is when a king comes, all of that happens and more. The hope of a king is the hope that everything would be restored. Zechariah says, see, look, your king is coming to you. And my brothers and sisters, that is the story of Christmas, That the baby who's in the manger, we have tremendous hope in this baby because he is a king. Not only a king, but the king above all kings. There's a line in Hark the Herald Angels Sing that goes like this. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings what it means that a king is coming, it means that he is actually able to address all the things in your life. He's able to address everything that you are wondering about, anxious about, because you see a king comes to you. You see a king comes to you. And I think that that really needs to speak to our faith. If a king is here, If Jesus is the king and he has come, then that means the way that we do faith has to be much more courageous, brothers and sisters, more valiant than it is now. Because if he is truly the king, then he is coming to cover your whole life. He's coming to ensure and assure your whole life. He is the king. And if he's the king, then you can be a little bit more daring in the way that you do faith because he's the king. He's got you. He's covering you. You see your king comes to you. In Narnia, the kids, there are four of them. There's Peter who's the oldest. Peter is the adventurous one. He is the leader. And then you have the second son who's Edmund, and he's the troublemaker. The troublemaker. He's impulsive. He he causes a lot of trouble for everybody. And then there's the littlest one, Lucy. She's purity. She is charity. She is kindness. But actually, I think the child who gets the least amount of attention is Susan. She's the oldest daughter, and she is the sensible one. She's the smart one. She's the one who has everything calculated out. She plays safe. But the downside of being Susan is even though she's sensible and smart, she can become very scared. You see, when you live a very calculated, risk-free, sensible life, sometimes you don't you lose something that's important to being Christian. You aren't brave. And that's something, brothers and sisters. Look, Bergen County, which one of the kids is Bergen County? I think a lot of us are Susan, <laughs> right? You got a good education, you're sensible, you're smart, you got everything together, don't you? But you're scared. You're worried all the time because you have too much to lose. You're not brave there's this moment when Susan is back in Narnia and she's seeing all this chaos around her and for Susan it's scary because she's the sensible one she always likes to have everything in order you know but Narnia's not like that your life isn't like that and she gets scared and there's this moment where she comes and encounters Aslan the Jesus figure let me read you what happens a deep voice calls out to her and says Susan and Susan made no answer, but the others thought she was crying. She's about to have this encounter with Aslan. And he says, Susan, you have listened to your fears, child. And then he says this, come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? Are you brave again? You see, brothers and sisters, what it means to have a king come, what it means to have a hene encounter with the king is that He gives us courage in our faith again. Some of you have not had a courageous faith in a very long time. We have a very calculating faith, a very safe faith. But what it means to encounter the king means to encounter the feeling that everything is in his hands, that he is in control, which means you can give up some control, which means you can have a little bit more courage in your faith. And some of us need to hear that because we have been a long time since we've been courageous. My brothers and sisters, today I believe the Lord is calling to you. See, your king comes to you. He is going to take care of you. He is going to cover you. He's going to make all things redeemed and okay. Will you not be brave again? Is your life nice, organized, calculated, and there's no space for a radical faith? Christmas tells us that you don't have to be like that because a king has come to make sure that all things are put into place. And so today I want to ask you at the end of this year, when you look at your faith, what are the things that you need courage again? Do you need courage again to love people because you stopped, because you're afraid of getting hurt? Are you afraid of being generous? Are you afraid to sacrifice? Are you afraid to lead Are you afraid to be vulnerable we have so much to lose in Bergen County we've made these lives that there's too much to lose and you know what that has made us cowardly but today my brothers and sisters he says look up Hine your king comes to you your king comes to you are you brave again can you be brave again can you have a courageous faith again like you did before. See, your king comes to you. And lastly, your king comes to you. I think this is the last reason why we can have a thrill of hope in the Christmas season because a king doesn't just come generally, but he comes to you exactly where you are. That's what it means here. A king comes to you where you are. And I think that that's what's special about the Christian message, about the Christian gospel, and about Christmas. Um, I was talking to my kids, I, I don't know if they just walked in, but I, have, I was talking to uh, Mia, and um, it was strange, right, it's strange to say, uh, the king has come to rescue us. If you have the Jesus Storybook Bible, that's kind of the, the theme. A rescuer is coming, you know, we are dead in our sin and our transgressions, but a rescuer is coming, a rescuer is coming, and then, is a baby. Is a baby? <laughs> the rescuer? The king, the mighty Messiah of old is a baby. But I told her yesterday do you know why she's a ba- he's a baby? It's because he's come vulnerable to meet us where we are. And that is different from every other religion in the world. Every other religion says, you must climb the mountain to get to your God. You must climb the mountain. You have to be Achilles. You have to be Hercules. You have to be Odysseus. You have to be Ulysses. Climb the mountain, and you will find Allah. Climb the mountain, and you will get nirvana. Climb the mountain. Only Christianity says, he comes to you in a manger. He meets you, my brother, my sister, he meets you where you are today. Where are you? Where are you at the end of this year in your faith, in your life, in your anxieties, your fears? See, your king comes to you where you are. That's the beauty of our Jesus. That's the beauty of our Messiah. He comes to you. Let me give you one more Narnia thing and I'll be done. Lucy is the littlest one. And in Narnia... The second book, the first book, she experiences Aslan, she experiences Narnia, and then she leaves and she comes back and she experiences Aslan again in the second book, Prince Caspian, and she's surprised because she sees him and she says, says, Aslan, you're bigger. You're bigger than before. This is what happens. She says, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan says, that is because you are older, little one. And it doesn't make sense, does it? She says, not because you are, not because you're older, you're bigger. You know, for kids, we just get bigger and bigger forever until we get older, right? I'm going to be taller than you, right? They say this. She says, you're bigger not because you're older, but you're you're bigger because I'm older. And he says, yeah, every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Do you know what C.S. Lewis is telling us? We get more scared as we get older, don't we? We get more things to lose. Our fears and anxieties mature and they get deeper and complex. When we're little kids, we need God because we're scared of the dark and we need a nightlight. But then we become teenagers and we're scared of our peers. And then we become young adults and we're scared because of the uncertainties of life. And then we get married, and marriage just brings all sorts of chaos to our lives. And we have children, and we're scared for them every day. And we get older, and the uncertainties get more and more real as time runs out. But C.S. Lewis tells us, God says to us, each year you grow older, I will be bigger. Every year your anxieties grow and your fears grow. I will always be enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you, always. As your anxieties and your fears grow, I will always be big enough to be there for you. Each year you grow, little Lucy, you will find me bigger. He meets you where you are, wherever you are, at whatever age, whatever stage, whatever season. That's the Christian Christmas message. He comes to you where you are. See, your king comes to you. My brothers and sisters, Advent is a special season for us because the Christmas message brings us the gospel to life in such a special way. How do we respond? Let me close with this. We respond with, there's um, Hine, which I've talked to you about before. But There's also something else in the Hebrew in the Bible, and it's hineni, hineni, which means here I am. You see, "hinei" is when God says, here I am, I have come. Behold, I'm here. See, your king comes to you. But on the other hand, there are those in the Bible who respond to that and say, hineni, here I am too. It's a response of vulnerability. And to say, I am yours too, Lord, When he comes to Abraham, Abraham says, here am I. When he comes to Moses, Moses says, here am I. Samuel is called many times when he says, here am I, Lord. You have to, in response to Henei, respond, here am I, Henei. Because you've come to me, because you're my king, I will give you myself. And today, for some of you, that means you have to repent, For some of you, that means you have to be honest. For some of you, that means you have to bring your burdens unto him because he's meeting you where you are, and you haven't been open enough to share with him where you are. Our response has to be, here am I. And my brothers and sisters, if you do that, you'll find a very approachable Messiah. He's come to you to meet you exactly where you are. And in it, you'll find the grace of Advent. Let's pray. your king comes to you and um, I think that for all of us and each of us there are different ways that we need to respond to that and I just want to give you time what do you need to go to him about what are those fears that this year grew anxieties concerns and you have not gone to him about and he says every year you grow I'm here and I'm big enough my grace is sufficient for you My brothers and sisters go to him and respond um, to him respond to the grace of the gospel maybe it's repentance maybe it's confession maybe it's casting your burdens onto your messiah whatever it is let's all respond today in prayer with here am i let's respond and pray together Father, what a, a beautiful gospel you have given to us at Advent. When we look in the manger, we see a God who has come to us, to me, where I am. We needed you to be small and vulnerable, approachable. So thank you for doing that for us. But we needed you to be a king. We needed you to be big enough for our lives. We needed you to be big enough to answer all the things that we find in the chaos of our lives. Thank you that a king came to us. What a beautiful, powerful Messiah we have. But help us to look up. In the season of Christmas, I pray, help us to look up and see the substance of our hope. And I pray, just to end where we began, I pray for weary souls that they would discover the thrill of hope that comes with Advent. And they would see that there is a substance in the Messiah that will help them wherever they are. I pray that this Christmas, they will see you're big enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and respond to him with the song together.